Hello, funky listeners. Hi. Hello, hi. Today we're coming to you from inside a 3D printer. Part of me wishes we actually did this episode like 1990s Bill Nye, the science guy style, where we just like did a shitty green screen of ourselves inside of a 3D printer. And using 90s video effects, it shows us coming onto the screen through the... And lots of really dumb sound effects. Line by line. Yes. We are slowly created into this podcast. Hello, listeners. That made no sense. (laughs) Hi. Funk radio. That's a thing. Yep. You know what else is a thing, Kyle? What? 3D printing. Yeah. I just found that out last week. I had no idea that this technology even existed before last week. I'm lying. Don't you have a uh, gaming console case made out of that? Oh, yeah. That was was a while ago. Yeah. um, I did a little hobby project where I took one of those little mini Raspberry Pi computers. And I installed an, like, what do you call it? Video game emulator thingy on it and i was like hey it'd be really cool if i could have a case for this that looks like an old school nintendo system but i don't have a 3d printer and there's this website called i think 3d hubs or 3d hub where you can download what's called a .stl file it's like the common 3d file that's used for 3d printing um And you can upload that file to the site and pick from different people in your area that have 3D printers that will print it for you for a fee, and then they just ship it to you. Oh, so it's not a central place. It's like connecting people. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If you have a 3D printer, you can sign up to take orders from people and basically make money off of it. I mean, depending on the size or scale of your printer, or if you have multiple, you could probably make a decent, you know, side hustle. Hmm. Well, I so, have zero interaction or life experience with 3D printing, so it's, I'm glad that you have something to say about them. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so if you haven't guessed, listeners, we're talking about 3D printing today. Specifically, um, not just about me, although I'd love to just talk about myself. Um, <laughs> that's that's Kyle Radio. That's a different <laughs> podcast. Um, we're going to talk about 3D printing as it relates to music, because our show is about music. Now, uh, this came up, I don't remember exactly what made us think of it. It's something with technology and yeah, music some formats e- lately. Um, some episode we were talking about like future, like where, where I guess music technology was going in the future and we mentioned 3D printing. So Yeah, I don't remember whether or not I kept it in the final edit, um, but I know we talked about it briefly. Um, so yeah, that kind of just got us thinking of like how, like what are the, because you know, I feel like 3D printing is still generally in its, in the grand scheme of things, it's in its infancy. Yeah. Um, I feel like, I mean, gosh, I've heard about 3D printing since probably like 2013, 2014. Um, And when it first started, it was supposed to be this big revolutionary thing where like, you know, in five years time, everyone was just going to be 3D printing whenever they needed. And, you know, it was going to completely revolutionize the economy. Um, That hasn't happened. Um, I think it will happen, but probably a lot more slowly and just a lot more gradually. It's not going to be an overnight thing whatsoever. Yeah, um, um, but, It has revolutionized yeah. some industries, including the medical industry. It allows um, mm. people to 
prototype devices or inventions more uh, cheaply um, than, you know, to actually, like, have things made out of metal or whatever. Uh, I know it's actually helped revolutionize, like, prosthetic limbs and stuff. Mm-hmm. So they're, they've been doing a lot of good stuff. It's just I think it's more kind of, like, unseen. It's not like, you know, oh, everyone has one in their home. It's more used by yeah. industries. And even in the future, I don't know what the practicality is going to be of everyone having one. I don't know. For manufacturing purposes. I don't know. Um, I mean... That that may be, like, 100 years from now, but... Yeah, I think I think the biggest barrier to them kind of, you know, quote, being in every home is just that it still takes a really long time to 3D print crap. Like, let's say... I don't know, you lose a screw to your TV stand and you're like, oh, I want to 3D print a screw. Even just 3D printing a screw takes like two or three hours, uh, which, you know, a lot less time than just going to the hardware store and getting the proper screw. So I think right. once printing times dramatically decrease where it's like, oh, I can have a screw in, you know, two minutes, yeah, then I think it'll become a lot more useful for like ordinary folks. Yeah. But again, it might actually end up being more in line with actually that service that you used where like there's more of a network of people who have them and it's easy just to send a file to them and have them ship it to you. To me, that seems much more economical. Yeah, I see what you're saying. So it'll be more rather than consumer facing where consumers have them, it'll revolutionize businesses where they're able to almost have like an order on demand thing someone orders an object they print the object and send it to them rather than having an inventory yeah so in terms of how this technology because i you know we could go on about 3d printing in general but for music specifically i'm curious how that's going to be a thing i I mean that was the whole point of us kind of researching for this episode Mm -hmm. and some people are kind of pioneering different ideas for how 3D printing could be used um, for different areas of music. Mm-hmm. I think that specifically is probably even more in the infancy yeah. than 3D printing in general. But um, there's a an interesting range of things that we found. Yeah, and doing a little bit of research, um, there's a couple different things we're going to cover. But the fact that people are actually 3D printing instruments, yeah. I found pretty interesting. And it, they're 3D printing almost every instrument you can imagine. It's not just like specific ones that lend themselves to yeah. you know being 3d printed i i when i was searching i saw 3d printed guitars saxophones violins flutes uh recorders remember those when you were in uh, grade school peter and you had music class did you guys ever have to learn music on the recorder i not that i remember but i know like my siblings did it i i don't i don't have a re- recollection of doing it myself I vaguely remember doing it. I want to say it was like fourth grade, mm-hmm. but I remember, yeah, we had to learn like Christmas songs because they were putting us in like a little kid Christmas play thing. And okay. there were some songs where we played the recorders. And I remember I just struggled so hard <laughs> with that stupid little recorder. Mm-hmm. And it was like the cheapest little, you know, plastic thing. But a lot of schools are using services that 3d print them now because they're even cheaper to produce and, you know, little kids, you know, they use them for a year and then toss them. So, but yeah, with regards to these 3D printed instruments, uh, some of the inter- most interesting ones I saw were actually 3D printed electric guitars. There was a bunch mm-hmm. of them, which is interesting because an electric guitar, unlike an acoustic guitar, doesn't require the shape of the guitar body to really influence the sound because it's all um, 
picked up electronically through the what's called the pickups. So there was these insane-looking 3D-printed guitar bodies, some that were, like, hollow, some that were just insane shapes, some that actually yeah. had moving parts inside them and looked kind of like a steampunk guitar. It was really cool. Oh, um, yeah, I saw that. And... Yeah, because like I said, because these specific guitars are electric, they you know the body doesn't matter. You've seen those right. little those little like portable guitars where it's like a really tiny body, <laughs> um, because it's just meant to be portable or whatever, or more portable, I should say. But yeah, there was three D printed guitars. There was three D printed violins. Yeah, the weird shapes of the instruments is seems to be a pretty popular thing with this yeah is going beyond just like what it typically looks like into making it something super bizarre or like sci-fi looking almost exactly um i was able to actually find a youtube clip of a guy playing a a 3d printed guitar um in hindsight after listening to the clip it literally just sounds like a regular guitar um there Mm -hmm. is no there is no difference so I, i assume the video would probably be more helpful but we're a radio show, so you'll have to use your imagination. We'll play a little So clip. we are going to play it or not? <laughs> yes. Uh, okay. We're going to play it. I'm just caveating it with this was a stupid thing to play. Um, okay. <laughs> so we'll play a little clip of it. Um, and yeah, the guitar the guy's using uh, in this segment is kind of like this cool 3D printed semi-hollow thing. Um, but yeah, this is a, the sound from a 3D printed guitar. Yeah, it sounds perfectly normal. I I don't think this is a stupid clip because I think it goes to show that the shape of it or whatever makes absolutely no impact on the sound. Like it is just a normal guitar. True. Um, Yeah, and I think that's cool that, you know, through 3D printing technology, they're able to kind of push the boundaries of guitar design. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's always... There's always been like crazy design design guitars. You know, you have the ones that look like a V. You have the ones that like are like a mm. keyboard guitar or whatever. Um, <laughs> and musicians have always been pushing the boundaries of like guitar looks, you know, because it's fun to, you know, play a weird looking thing on stage or whatever. Yeah. So this allows them to just kind of further that even more. So, yeah. Um, the other thing, the other uh, thing that I've found interesting regarding 3D printed instruments is actually their use in professional orchestras. I found that up in uh, Canada, eh, the Ottawa Symphony Orchestra actually did a project where they 3D printed a bunch of violins and other mm. string instruments like cellos and violas. I don't, I don't know what other sizes of violins there are. Um... And in November of 2018, they actually performed their first what's called 3D strings concert where all of the instruments were 3D printed. Hmm. That's really cool. I found a little uh, YouTube video kind of, it's almost like a mini documentary, I guess, talking about the project and having the musicians kind of react to playing these um, these different instruments and, you know, how they sound different from general wood instruments and whatnot. Hmm. So first we'll play a little clip of uh, some music played on one of the 3D printed violins. And then there's actually a quote by one of the musicians in here that I thought was pretty interesting that we'll talk about after that. 
So this is a sound from a 3D printed violin for the Ottawa Orchestra. Sounds really nice. Mm-hmm. I mean, to an untrained ear, it doesn't really sound really any different to me. Um, some of the artists talks yeah. about like the feel in their hand. It's a lot lighter than a traditional wood violin. There's a little bit different sound, but um, yeah. If you're really tuned to like what that instrument sounds like, I'm sure you can tell. Yeah, at least a little it, bit of a difference. Exactly. Um, but one of the quotes by one of the musicians I thought was like really poignant and kind of goes to this whole topic we're talking about. Um, mm. She said, quote, sometimes as musicians, we feel like we sort of are living in a museum and there is an element of that that's really cool. But there is so much about what we do that is related to math, that's related to physics. It's a, it's wonderful to be part of a project that builds a bridge between this living museum and this technology that is moving so far forward. Well said. Yes, she's basically Mary saying, Elizabeth Brown. Yes, uh, that was a quote from her. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, she makes a really good point. You know, a lot of these orchestras, you know, they're playing on instruments that have basically gone unchanged for 500 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're playing songs that have gone unchanged for 500 years. Yeah. So to kind of combine that sort of musical history with current technology is kind of interesting. Yeah. Another thing that they brought up in this uh, little mini documentary they were talking about that I found really interesting was not only the application for orchestras, but the potential application for um, middle school and high school bands. Mm. Because often, you know, when, when you join band or whatever in middle school or high school, either you buy and or rent the instrument that you choose to play, and it's not cheap. And so what they were talking about is like, having have, for kids to have the ability to have 3d printed instruments uh it would bring down the cost factor a lot and to a certain degree they could even if they if the school chooses to create a program for such they could customize their instrument you know they could customize what color it is they could customize you know the the i don't know the holes in the violin or whatever yeah and it's yeah it's interesting to kind of think about it from that perspective of like you know bringing down the barrier, the monetary barrier to entry for getting into music and getting in a band. And, and that's making me think I, I kind of st- a step beyond with that would be for schools that may not necessarily have much or any of a budget for a music program. Exactly. This exactly. could introduce students to music who otherwise may not have that opportunity exactly. with the more expensive instruments. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, to be able to bring the cost down for that is, you know, obviously tremendously helpful. So, yeah, yay for technology, making things better. Yay. So, yeah, that was kind of all I wanted to talk about with regards to, like, 3D printed instruments. There's obviously a lot more out there. There's other types of instruments. I just saw how they were being used in this context, and I thought it was kind of cool. So we'd talk about it. Yeah. Um, I'm going to jump in here for a minute. Yeah. Because I, I was... Well, I mean, in the little bit of research I did on this as well, I was thinking about this and I did find examples of where instead of just 3D printing existing instruments that have existed for 500 years, what about people who are inventing new instruments using 3D printing technology and experimenting with that? 
a couple examples I found were from this um, Monad studio. Uh, there's a couple of ones I picked out. They sound kind of interesting. Uh, one is called a Hornucopian Drone Pipe, which sounds similar to a didgeridoo, but it looks like something out of Alien. I was going <laughs> to say of. it literally it, looks like something out of Alien. It's very H.R. Geiger. Yeah, it's just wavy black thing that kind of wraps around you. It's really bizarre. And the sound is weird, too. Uh, maybe we should play a quick clip of that. Sounds good. Yeah, it does sound like a injury do. It's kind of haunting. Yeah. So I, I don't know if... like, <laughs> I mean... That one specifically, or just in general, I don't know if 3D printing instruments, at least right now, is that only at a point where they could be more experimental. Or maybe that's just how it goes in the world of creating own instruments anyway. Yeah. It seems like up until maybe like the last hundred years, it does seem like music, how do I say it? Music instruments, you know, were constantly being created and evolving and what have you, but it almost it kind of going back to what that woman was saying about you know living in a museum it does seem like you know instrument design has kind of stagnated really in like the last 70 or so years hmm. i mean at least as far as i know i don't know maybe there's like a whole segment of instruments that were just invented yesterday i don't know about um <laughs> but i mean you know one of the latest instruments to be invented was that i can think of was the electric guitar uh and then obviously right. you know as electricity uh, and digital stuff became more prevalent, you know, the digi- the keyboard and the MIDI board and all that electronic shit. Uh, yeah, I was thinking, um, uh, my my brain died, but like synths and stuff, basically. Yeah, yeah. That's, sorry, that's what I meant. Yeah, I yeah. I'm wondering how many new things have really been made in the last thirty years. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, like, like you were saying, with the advent of this 3D printing, you know people can experiment with like harmonics and acoustics and create horns and stuff that were never thought of before. Yeah. Well, and you can create prototypes, you know, in a few hours. Exactly. Exactly. Which is kind of amazing. Um, So yeah, that drone pipe thing is pretty crazy. It looks like, you know, something you'd see in like, you know, a sci-fi movie for like some future band. I don't know. Yeah. Another one that, so we were just talking about regular violins. This is a, I don't know how to say it, maybe a piezo electric violin. It, uh, this Jesus. is another one that looks like something out of a, you know, Game of Thrones or something. It looks like a damn space gun. Yeah. <laughs> and it sounds really weird too, but basically it's an electric violin. And uh, let's listen to this really quick. Again, those are just a couple examples. I, I, I'm interested to see if this opportunity allows for the creation of a more mainstream instrument someday. Mm. Uh, I, for now, I don't think that's going to happen. I'm even curious, like if they can use this 3D technology to like create new types of like drums and stuff. You know, 
I don't know. I don't know how drums Yeah, work. that's inter- <laughs> interesting. So I guess starting to move away from instruments, uh, there's one small thing I'll mention really quick that isn't really a long discussion. I noticed that there is one case where someone invented basically 3D printed uh, sheet music That's neat. for blind people or the visually impaired. I didn't know this, but I guess generally there's not a great solution out there for translating music to Braille. Mm-hmm. But through this process, you can basically print something that visually mimics sheet music. Wait, there's a photo. Let me look. For some reason in my head, when I thought of Braille notes, I just thought they'd be dots, like Braille letters. Well, I think that's what the whole point is, is that I think they, some people are have done that or have tried that or whatever, and it just doesn't quite translate well. Mm. Or, you know, it can get some of the information across, but not all of it. So I think literally embossing, like, the shapes of the notes and huh. the I whole, mean, I, I don't remember what all the terms are for sheet music, but... The notes and rests and staves and shit I yeah the lines i don't remember what that shit's called line dot thingies uh, yeah music we were professionals but um <laughs> yeah so i think that's pretty cool so the other thing we wanted to talk about with 3d printing kind of gets away from the i guess physical playing of instruments and it's more about the playing of music that's been pre-recorded and apparently people are experimenting with 3d printed vinyl the first major news story I saw, I found about this was actually back in 2012. An MIT Media Lab student named Amanda Geisy published an experiment where she actually tried to produce the first 3D printed vinyl record. We found a little, I guess, docu-video on it. Um, we obviously aren't going to play the whole thing. But basically, yeah, in the video she explains her... Her, pro- her rough process and in initially trying to, you know, have this vinyl printed, the main difficulty that she found initially was that vinyl, the grooves in, in a vinyl record, uh, for those of you that don't know, if you zoom in, I mean, it's not exactly microscopic, but it's like pretty close to microscopic. If you zoom into an individual groove, there's little notches on either side of the groove. It almost looks like a canyon. And those notches represent sort of sound waves, I guess, so that when a needle is going through a groove and it's hitting those notches and vibrating microscopically, that vibration is actually creating the sound. And then it goes with a record player, it goes through an amplifier and amplifies. But the funny thing is, yeah, like if you took a record and you turned on the spinny platter thing and you put the needle on it and you didn't have like connector speakers. If you listen really closely, you can hear the music. You can hear the oh, vibration of the needle itself. It's really faint, but it's there. So and you then, could actually listen to it without an amp or anything. I guess. I mean, that's, that's what original phonographs were. They weren't electrified other than the platter turning. It was just, oh, a yeah, you're right. it was just a horn that was amplifying that vibration sound that was being oh, picked up. Okay. Interesting. That would also be another future interesting episode, how the fuck phonographs work. <laughs> but yeah, so her biggest hurdle initially was that 3D printers, at least at the time, couldn't get down to that s- small of detail very easily. Mm. In fact, often many consumer 3D printers, when they advertise, when they advertise like their spec- specifications, one of the things they advertise is what's called like the print voxel size 
which means like the smallest detail they can get down to with the needle that's printing out the plastic or whatever it is. Essentially Uh, the resolution. Yeah, exactly. It's like the 3D resolution of an object. And yeah, the problem was that, you know, she couldn't easily procure a printer that had the resolution capacity to print the fine, yeah, that fine, fine details of record grooves. So she ended up finding this place in San Francisco called Tech Shop, and they have this thing called an Object Connects 500 printer that prints really large-scale objects. That's that's also another limitation of a lot of consumer printers is what's called their mm-hmm. uh, print print area size. You can't print very large things. Right. Uh, oftentimes, when people want to print big things, they have to print them in pieces and build them almost like a Lego. Um, I see. And... So she found, yeah, she found this super industrial size printer that could print basically full size records, uh, and it had what's uh, a high print resolution of what they're calling 600 DPI, which really kind of mm. translates roughly to print speak. You know, 300 DPI is general yeah. printer uh, resolution. Well, um, phone screens use a, a similar. Yeah, pixels per inch, exactly. Yeah, PPI. Um, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, she found this industrial mm-hmm. printer that had 600 DPI, which is twice, okay. you know, normal printer resolution, whatever. Uh, and it said it had a print layer accuracy of 16 microns, which is infinitely small. Yeah. I mean, 16 microns, I think, is like literally 0.01 millimeters. So it's one hundredth of a millimeter. Holy crap. So super, super, super accurate. And this was back in 2012, so they probably only, industrial-level ones have only gotten better. Mm. So, yeah. So she, with her experiment, I, it didn't really pan out, right? It, I mean, not not production quality that we it's, would yeah, normally at the time, At the time, it wasn't, you know, wasn't to the level where someone would be like, oh, yeah, that sounds just like a regular record. I'm going to buy it. But, I mean, as a thought experiment, it worked. Uh, it played mm-hmm. the... Um, music but similar it was funny um if you watch the full video the way she's talking about it almost is similar to the way you were talking about the um the little uh 90s micro cassette recorder you had where Mm. she was experimenting with different songs to see how 3d printing affected the sound quality and she found similarly to Uh. you things that had a lot of bass kind of sound more screwy things that were more even keeled or had more treble sounded better so she was playing with different, with 3D printing different songs to kind of test the limitations. So Seems like it would be a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, did you want to play a quick clip of this first attempt at a 3D printed vinyl? Oh, yeah, sure. One of the first songs she tried out on, on 3D printed vinyl is the uh, ever-famous Smells Like Teen Spirit by Nirvana. And I found a little clip, so we'll play that. It's kind of faint, but you can definitely hear it, so... Yeah, that's pretty interesting. Because it's definitely there. Mm -hmm. So I I think there is potential, for sure. Mm -hmm. And like I said, this, this original article was done back in 2012... And they had a system that was that advanced. I would imagine they've only advanced the industrial level ones. I, I should say have yeah. only advanced more since then. 
So I wouldn't be surprised if in 2019 they could print a record that you couldn't tell the difference. Or at least a lot closer. Yeah, yeah. And from a purely aesthetic standpoint, what kind of interests me too, because as a record collector, I've recently gotten into colored vinyl, and that's pretty much mostly what I buy now if I find one that looks really cool or it's a band I like, um, Mm. is the idea of having 3D printed records that have... Uh, if you like change out the filament colors or whatever, or have different filament colors mixed in together, mm-hmm. creating cool patterns or something in like 3D printed vinyl. I don't yeah. know. I've seen some pictures of those different, like even like the tie dye ones and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Those are usually uh, done just pouring colors because, I mean, technically vinyl is just wax <laughs> uh, right. in a press. So, yeah, they can mix a bunch of different crazy colors, and it looks all like tie-dye paint shit. But since 3D printing is more mathematically methodical, I guess, you know, you could create more, like, intricate, almost like mandala-looking type patterns and shit Mm. in records. So that might be kind of interesting. This girl who did the experiment, I I haven't watched the actual video yet. I mean, I watched part of it, but I didn't watch the entire thing. Was she having these printed with actual vinyl, or is it a different material? Uh, is it like resin or something? No, I think it's the actual. It's the material that's used by three D printers. It's a common type of plastic called like PLA. Um, I see. They okay. they're different ones use slightly different versions, but it's they're all basically like a plastic compound. Hmm. So no, I don't think it was um, like actual wax material. I Which see. is pro- pro- I'm curious if that would affect the sound. I don't. I really don't know. Well, yeah, that was my initial thought. Was, I mean, that would at least eliminate part of it. But it, I'm sure, just doing it. If even if you could do it in the exact, maybe you can. I don't know. In the same material, I don't know if. I don't think that solves everything, but it might help. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Well, I know that you've sent me stuff where like, people have made records out of glass. Yeah. And it sounds really different. Yeah, it sounds trippy. Um, And I'm curious if that's maybe part of the problem. I know when you buy records, uh, sometimes better quality records are advertised as what's called 180 gram, which means that the record disc itself is thicker and denser. So I think it allows, you know, for the channels of the grooves to be a bit denser and therefore have a bit more fidelity to them, I guess. So I'm wondering if the lightweight nature of 3d printing plastic kind of limits that as opposed to wax which could be more dense you know what i'm saying yeah i mean like not i I know almost nothing about plastic but i I I imagine that not all not all plastic is created equal equal. so i would i would think that the means of production for typical vinyl records is very high quality Mm -hmm. whereas I've always gotten the impression that, yeah, like the plastic that's used generally in 3D printing isn't the greatest. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if that's playing into it as well. I'm curious if there's going to be an eventuality where, you know, you can go to a record store, right, and just be like, hey, I want a record that, you know, they don't have in store. And they'll be just like, oh, we'll 3D print it to you for a fee. Yeah, uh, which, oh, I think it was the Medium article. That was talking about that. Like the writer was basically talking about this whole idea of, you know, you walk into a record store 
you say, I want this album. They'll say, okay, we'll print it for you. Come back in an hour. Mm-hmm. And just talking about this, that whole print on demand becoming a thing for music, you know, changes how we consume music and how we purchase it and how exactly it's given to us. And I, I found that whole, like, even if it's just a thought experiment and doesn't actually happen, I think the idea of it is still really interesting. Yeah. It's just a thought experiment. This guy had about like, you know, being able to have you know music printed on demand rather than like mass producing records it it'll not only revolutionize the purchasing of records it'll revolutionize the way that new artists can get their music to fans you know yeah yeah uh, yeah i think it really levels i mean potentially anyway levels the playing field between independent artists and the manufacturing power or you know power of influence of record labels I think some of that could be broken down a bit if independent artists are have a more practical, quick means of like physically producing exactly. their music. Because I don't remember if it was this article or a separate one that was talking about basically because Vinyl has made a comeback, like the big record labels are taking up a lot of the modern production facilities. Mm-hmm. And so now the, the smaller guy is like, hey, I can't get in anywhere because you know mm-hmm. yeah no so it's it's a very good point you know similarly to how you know cds became super duper cheap and new artists could just buy a bunch of blank cds throw the music on it give it away at uh at concerts pretty soon they could easily fairly simply do the same thing with records they could print their own records have them out yeah. at concerts um rather than having to go through some sort of professional printing facility um, well, and actually, your mention of CDs um, might actually be a good transition into a point I was thinking about mm-hmm. in regards to vinyl and everything. I My thought was that really, I think, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think vinyl is really the only music format that has existed thus far in the mainstream that can be replicated theoretically with 3D printing. Yes. Cassettes really can't because I don't think they can 3D print the tape. Um, well, that so that was my thought is because the stuff like cassettes, you have digital, not digital, but like electronic imprinting onto magnetic tape. Mm-hmm. And like, how the hell do you 3D print that? I don't know. True. And then obviously CDs are, you know, lasered on or whatever, however that shit right. works. Right. And those are, yeah, those are completely digital. So, I mean, that's out so, the window. Yeah, I think you're right. I think th- records are technically the only current playable format that can be 3D printed, except for maybe like a music box. Um, yeah, but in terms of like mainstream, you know, way of consuming music, I think vinyl is really the only purely like one piece physical yeah. one. Yeah, very true. So I, I thought that was kind of interesting because you really, I mean, like you could... You could easily, I'm sure, print like the casing of a cassette tape yeah, or an eight yeah. track or something. Yeah. But that's not the same thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, so so my thought with this, because really my personal interest is much more in the line of like music formats versus instruments. Yeah. But I know some people would be the opposite. I was going to say, we, um, we don't play, I mean, I barely play guitar, so I'm not really that right. musically inclined. So. Right. Um, so my thought was, is it possible, like real, if 3d printing does one day become the manufacturing revolution that people say it will, 
is it possible that someday in the future there will be a physical music format created that is possible through 3D printing, oh. not one that exists today? Oh, I'm sure. Not not to like sound super trippy, but like, what if you created a system? This is gonna blow your mind. Where it's like a record, right, with grooves, but it's a sphere. Huh. And you create a device that can play the sphere. I don't even know how that would so work. So is it still like a needle, but it kind of I guess, I guess. circumnavigate it more? I guess. Huh. Yeah. Or it would probably use a laser or something. Something. But yeah, I mean, even just the idea of like, you know grooves cut into an object resonating off of a metal thing i mean mm. if you really really boil it down a record player is just a really fucking fancy music box yeah I, you're not wrong so if you just apply that concept of like physical texture applied to an object that is then picked up by some other device and then converts that into sound you know mm. you're not tied down to any one shape you could have it be a sphere you could have it be a cube it just has to be some sort of physical textured thing which 3d printing is obviously perfect for right yeah that's uh that's an interesting thought so yeah i mean that's all i pretty much had to talk about on this topic both from a instrument standpoint and a playable music standpoint right it does seem like 3d printing is definitely revolutionizing a lot of things in music so that's pretty cool well in uh in 20 years when we're still doing this podcast we can do another episode and <laughs> touch base and see oh God. how things have progressed in 20 years when our podcast is being played on a 3d printed thing 3d printed computer i don't know that goes in your ear and we're driving around on go-karts on the moon oh god <laughs> I hope we don't ever colonize the moon. That seems like such a bad idea. Uh, okay. Well, yeah, I, I don't really have anything else to talk about with this either. I mean, I feel like this actually went on quite a bit longer I was, than I was expecting. Uh, yeah. But, uh, it's, a, it's an interesting thing to think about, even if it's not really, you know, it hasn't really gone too far in any one direction yet, but I think there is definitely potential there, especially as the technology improves. Mm-hmm. If you have a 3D printer, tell us on Facebook at facebook.com slash getyourfunk. If you don't have a 3D printer, uh, go to getyourfunk.com and listen to our other episodes there. If you have one, you can 3D print a comment and mail it to us. <laughs> you could. <laughs> it's just like, fuck you. <laughs> fuck you, I never did your show. Oh, God. Um, so, yeah, this has been your not 3D printed host, Kyle. Uh, this is Peter. And this has been Funk Radio. We are disappearing back into the internet now. Until the next episode. Yep. Bye. Bye. Bye.